Okay. I'll tell you what, we're all waiting. We can have a bit of waiting music, haven't we? So let's get some of the bit of elevator music. Bit of small talk. How was your week? What was the weather like? You know, bit of non-important dinner chat. Which can be useful before an interview. <laughs> Top tip. Always speak to the receptionist and be nice. That's useful. Oh, here he is. Here he is. Let's come find you. <laughs> we couldn't find our own event. That sets the <laughs> sets the, the tone for tonight. Well, we're all in good company and good friends. So I, I welcome everyone to an architecture social and global architecture. Oh my God, I can't think anymore. Global Architects <laughs> Alliance. I know this company Correct. very well. The GAA. Um, yes, it's a special where together we will be attempting attempting to talk about the best tips that I can possibly think of in terms of you as an architect or a student, get your first job in the industry. Well, you're probably going to be an architect in that case. But these tips that I'm going to run through are stuff that I've seen people do really well in an interview, nail the interview. And as well as that, there's a few things that I've seen people slip up on you know, that really, well, you don't want to do. You don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that lady that makes those silly mistakes. So further ado, before we continue, Jason, do you want to tell everyone what, what is more importantly, as well as mentoring, the fact that you're a hiring manager. So surely you've seen some awesome interviews and some clangers as well. Is that right? I have, and I hope we're going to talk about the in-person interview and the um, over webcam interview, which I've been doing a lot of mm-hmm. over the last the last sort of two and a half years. So that that that's that's really interesting, and, and what the nuances are of that. But yeah, um, so if for people who don't know me, I've been uh, an architect for twenty two years, um, and I work in the nuclear sector. And, um, yeah, so we have been recruiting like crazy um, over the last couple of years. So, yeah, hopefully I can give you some insight into what works. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. I think that's a really good way to kick it off, actually, because pre-COVID, there was only one format of interview, and it was really going in in person. And if you were a crazy student like me, you printed off a massive A1 portfolio. Do you remember them, Jason, lugging them around? They would be after the interview. They would be, in the, they would be in the attic for years, wouldn't they, mate? They would never use again. <laughs> they were like these big objects. And you could kind of see a, a student in the wild, an architecture student in the wild, by an A1 port, leather-bound portfolio with all these big drawings. And they were all in them. What they call, Jason, the, the, the you know, the, the, the disgusting plasticky, like, Oh, yeah, the plastic sleeves. Yeah, the plastic sleeves, yes. I've still got mine up in the loft. Thank you, Stephen. 
Yeah, there you go. It's like it's like an artifact of the past. Well, things have moved on a little bit, and I, let's talk about that distinction, Jason, that you're on about because there are in-person interviews and there are online interviews. Now, if you can get an in-person interview, it's probably going to feel a little bit more scary. However, the truth is, in-person interviews I think are much better, and I'll tell you a few reasons why. If you get a choice, so if you go to an in-person in-person interview, you can actually see the architecture practice. You can see what the office is like because chances are you'll be in a hybrid working or working in the office. Very rare that off, um, roles are fully remote at the moment. Very, very, very rare. So it's really good to see where you're going to work. And as well as that, you get a flavor of the environment, the people there. And also there's a certain kind of chemistry with being in person as well as that you can influence it really well and you can stack the odds in your favor in terms of in-person interviews alternatively maybe the director's busy or something like that or it's just not possible on that day to do an interview in person because maybe the director's um away or working at home then it will be an online interview now Online interviews in one sense can be really good, but they also can be hindered by technology. They can be, as well as that, they can sometimes be awkward. Uh, and, and, and that's not to do with the quality of your work or yourself, but it can be due to the format of it. So let's... What we'll do, Jason, if you're happy about it. So we've got an hour today. So we're going to keep going till about seven o'clock and everyone can ask questions yeah. as we go. But maybe we'll do now the first 20 minutes. We'll talk about the old school technique, Jason, of interviews yes. in person. You know, the, the pre-COVID era. And we kind of talked about big A1 portfolios. I'm not sure you need that anymore. I think a beautiful A3 portfolio is probably fine. And you might even get away with the other thing people always worry about is do I present my work on an iPad or a laptop and and so forth. Now, it's a very controversial point because some people will say it has to be printed, it should be printed. And I think if in doubt, you should try to print your portfolio. It doesn't need to be the most expensive paper in the world. It doesn't need all that. But there's something nice about it being printed because the problem is with technology is it can, you know, it can royally mess up. I was going to swear there, but I was kind of, it can, it can totally leave you in the lurch. I've seen people have work on iPads and then the iPads don't load or the battery goes or, or people have files on their laptops and it corrupts and that can totally throw you off the game. Having said that, if you're a lucky enough person to have an amazing, huge iPad, you know, the awesome ones with the pens, which are like so killer, that might be okay in the interview. And I've seen interviews with stuff like that, and it's quite cool. It's quite slick. However, it's a gamble because say now you're interviewing with Jason and Jason and you are across a table and Jason's in a room, which is quite well lit. The sun's reflecting and that iPad is throwing the, you know, the beaming the light off. It might be hard for him to follow. And you don't really want that kind of thing to happen where Jason can't really see the drawings and then 
he starts thinking of something else. Now, I'm not saying, Jason, that you're, you don't have attention or anything like that. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. But what I mean is this, it, the technology can open it up for distractions. It can also be really slick. However, if you printed a portfolio, there's less likely of risk of stuff happening because you can control the portfolio before you go in. And it, unless, you know, it, your portfolio, I don't know, you left it in the taxi, which is a mistake I've seen people do. So you don't want to leave it in the taxi. But you, as long as you have your portfolio with wow. you, yeah, things are not going to go wrong. Jason, what's your opinion on digital portfolios in person on laptops and tablets first printed? Yeah, and I've even seen it where people have brought in a, a like an SD card or a USB stick. And or then, risky. And, yeah, and then found, obviously, with security in our company, that that's just not going to work. Um, but I, I'm not saying it won't work for for some other places. I I do I do like the printed um, off versions so I can sit with them and kind of talk over them. But I think um, I do you know if, if it's on a sort of laptop, um, I'm, I'm 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 pretty cool with with that as long as or we can you know what a lot of if you you'll generally go into like a conference room or a sort of office room. And um, most of them nowadays, I mean, again, you're taking the risk and this is what I, this is, this is where I'm going to say something here that might help you. Um, but, you know, you know, they might have a TV where you can actually just link up and you've got to make sure you've got the right connectors. So, 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 so what I'm going to say here is if you really um, focused on doing your best, I would sort of ring up um, or call um reception um and just ask you know what where will my interview be held and do that do they have the right um equipment so i can plug my macbook in or or, or you know do you have the right connected leads and it, it, you know and they might say look you know don't don't really bother the, the the partner who's interviewing you or the director just prefers things printed off so i think it's it's worth checking um, beforehand and if and if you don't want to do that just take both options with you, you absolutely I mean? absolutely and people might be thinking yeah well this is not to do with the actual content of the interview but i the, the most like mess ups i've seen jason is people feeling thrown off because they can't get that USB or anything to work. I've seen it derail the interviews and it's not so much yeah, the interviewer, yeah. which is that bothered, but it phases the person presenting. They start freaking out that they've already screwed it up. It's like go doing a driving test and convince you fail before you get to the end. And it kind of can really throw off you off the, the game as the interview, uh, e. then the interviewer is just thinking, Oh, well, it's not the end of the world, but this person maybe was nervous throughout. So make sure that the tech is in order if you're going to do that. And I always think as well, it's good to print a portfolio and maybe as well, you can take your laptop or take a tablet so that if organically in the interview, something pops up, then you can refer to it. And I think this is the most important thing that I would recommend for interviews, whether online or in person is don't it's good to know the beats 
It's good to practice it. It's good to kind of go through it, but you don't need to almost memorize it. And there's nothing more disengaging when I feel like someone's reeling off a script. It should be a conversation. And while you should know what you're talking about, it should be free flowing. So for example, if I'm interviewing someone, so Andrew, you're in the audience, say, no, we're going for an interview, Andrew. If you're having a conversation with me, you're engaging in eye contact, you're kind of, you're kind of talking about the projects, but you're letting me ask questions. That's a really nice mind frame. Um, for me as the interviewer, I think, wow, okay, this is a good conversation. This is engaging. I like this person. There's nothing more better than that. And what If you're kind of reading a script of your hand or you're just going through the work, you're not engaging the person who that you're interviewing with, it can be a little bit distracting. And and again, the pace as well is so important. When you're doing your portfolio, let's say now you have 20 sheets, don't spend 10 minutes on the first sheet. It's just absolutely just makes me bored to death. I have a short attention span. You should assume every interview that you do, the person's got a short attention span, just because then it puts you in this healthy mindset of constantly moving along. And you can tell the interviewer at any point, if they want to ask any questions, we can talk about it and stop. But you want to go through at a nice relaxed pace, but constantly moving. So it's constantly moving along, not rushing things. You don't want that. But at the same time, spending 10 minutes talking about your thesis that you did on your third year, probably maybe a bit too much. And again, if you haven't done any work in industry yet, the other thing in your interview, start with your most recent and best project. Don't focus, and we talked about this in Jason, didn't we, in the portfolios. Don't focus on the project that you've done years ago. Think about the most relevant project. And another good tidbit that I think is really important, again, I'm using you as an example, Jason. You use Revit on your team. So it's probably advantageous in the interview to constantly drop in bits of the projects I've done in Revit. This I was an academic project that I've done. You can see the beautiful renders and stuff, but also quick, have a look at some of the Revit models I've done. It's little things like that where you're ticking the boxes in the interview, which is going to be really reassuring. As well as that, the other thing I was going to say about in person, which we haven't touched upon, dress smart, okay? You might not wear a suit, all the time, um, or, you know, formal gear when you join the practice, but it, it, it's really good to be dressed for the occasion and want to look your best. And I've got a quick story on this, Jason, and you tell me if you think, um, if you agree, I had a okay. friend, uh, who I love to death, but he was one of those friends that would ask for advice, but not really listen to what you said and would do what he wanted anyway. So he said to me, mate, do you think I should wear um, you know, a blazer top, but you know, and a cool t-shirt and some jeans to an interview. And I said, absolutely not. Do not wear that. And he's like, well, that's what architects wear. And I was like, yeah, but you needed to wear a suit for an interview. He goes, Steve, you don't know what you're talking about. I've been in an architecture practice. Okay, mate, you do what you want. And then he went for this interview and I felt bad because he came back from the interview really down. I was like, oh, mate, what happened? And apparently through the the first thing that the interviewer said to my friend who was the interviewee, the person doing it was, yeah, jeans. So you didn't think this was that important then to wear trousers? 
And that was yeah. that was the start of it. And can you imagine how hard it's to come back from that? And then constantly throughout it, the the employer was not he just wasn't bought in and he didn't get an offer. And that was the end of that. But uh what's your thoughts on that story? No, fantastic. I'm I'm so glad you mentioned this because you know, we've gone from the portfolio to actually thinking about um how you approach it and with the way what what you've got to think about as well, and you, this is where research comes in, research um, which you can do online. You know, you can understand whether, like, if it's like a West End sort of boutique hotel. I'm sorry, not um, a practice that does hotels, maybe. Um, you know, the, the, uh, and the, you know they're, they're in a really artsy sort of um, part of you know architecture. I I bet you I bet you you will find the people in the office are really stylish, and if you're going to turn up in jeans and you know um, trainers and a, and a t-shirt, I I don't think that's gonna that's gonna um, sort of fly. So you've got to you've got to sort of adapt your dress sense almost. Um, I hate to say it, um, you know, with um, how that sort of practice um, approaches. And if you're going for, if you're going for like, I don't know, you know, local authority um, um, practice that, you know, doing, um, you know, maybe just doing housing, I don't think it matters as much. I'd be interested to know what you think about that, Stephen. But if, if you sort of do your research and maybe, you know, you can find a lot of stuff online, even the, the, the photographs of people and, um, you know, even you try even YouTube, see if you can find some video footage of the practice. You'll you'll see what sort of style and what sort of clients they have, and if it's sort of boutique, it's if it's sort of really stylish, um, you know, designing. I think you've got to you've got to fulfil that part because the clients that you're meeting are going to be stylish, and they, you know, that that's the way it kind of works. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. It's kind of so you can be individual, but you have to have a bit of common ground. And I think there's a few things that can be common ground. It can be what you speak about, but it can also be how you present yourself. And and I think research is super important, Jason, as you mentioned. And and yes, it's true. Look at videos, look at all the stuff. An easy way as well, Jason, is to look at Teams pages on websites and you can see quite quickly if they're wearing shirts, blazers, your cool, funky stuff. And then you can kind of tailor it around that. But another point that you mentioned is, um, you know, doing that research before the interview. The other bit that's really good that constantly that I recommend people to do is to, to have a look at the current news that's going on with the practice. So for example, if you're applying to Shepard Robson, you'd quickly go on their website, you go on their news page, you see what's currently happening. And as well as that, if you find out before the interview who you're actually meeting, so say now I'm meeting the residential team leader director who's going to be giving me the interview, then if there's any news that's with to do with residential plans, that's a really good thing to talk about, isn't it? Thank you so much for me. Bea, David, I'm, I'm super excited. I, I saw the, the project that you've just worked on and, and it's just gone through planning. That's amazing. It's, there's a little bit of common ground then. And that shows that you've, you've actually given, you've cared, you've, you've gone a little bit above board and it's it really, helps make you look like you care 
and makes you look like you've researched. You know I mean, I'm amazed that sometimes when I speak to people, they don't you can't even pronounce the name of the architecture practice correctly. You know, and it's just little bits like that. I don't really know what they do. It's like, come on, you gotta, you gotta, gotta yeah. do a bit of research. There's no excuse, Jason, is there? You have, and what you've got to remember, you've put a lot of effort into your CV, into your portfolio, uh, your portfolio that you sent with your CV, which is different to the portfolio that you will take into the interview. Um, so you've done all of that work, and what we're trying to do here in this in this sort of discussion is to just think of all these slight tweaks, you know, that that can give you the give you the best outcome. And uh, you know what what you said there, Stephen. You know, it, it's just it's just fantastic. You know, maybe look up the person on LinkedIn. You can go through their, um, you know, what what they've worked on, which practices they've they've worked at, even which might give you an understanding of um, them. Or you know, say they, they might have been with the practice for thirty years. You know, so that that you know they're they're going to be very much ingrained in that culture. But also, they may have come from another practice. Um, that did, um, you know, did interesting work that you could potentially um, talk about as well, you know. So, so it, it's just making sure you're giving them, you, you, you're sort of building up the maybe the conversation that you can have in the interview that you can just drop in there naturally, and that's the point, isn't it? You you don't want to make it like, oh, I see you've worked at such and such a place. It's just something that you can drop in organically when the time is right and you've got it in your back sort of pocket. That's that's the way I would approach it. Absolutely. And even though this is at, it typically comes at the end of the interview, we'll talk about it now. This attitude of doing research, this attitude of having stuff to talk about is really, really important. And you should be really like almost excited to ask the employers questions. Now, I know we, we're, we're going to cover things a lot more, but actually, if you think about asking questions, it's so powerful. Again, it says you're engaged and then the interview then becomes a bit more like a conversation and it becomes a little bit more even. Um, I'm always surprised that people don't have questions to ask because there are so many questions that is absolutely encouraging to ask and shows that you are interested. And it can be even a little bit logistical questions, but also uh, it's, it's really good to ask about the project. So a few ideas that you can ask in an interview, it can be like, um, and you can build upon the research as well. Oh, I've seen that you've got, you've recently won planning for this. Do you, do you have any more projects that you're working on at planning stage? Oh, actually, da, 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 da. or it could be like, um, I understand that you, I've done a Revit course and I'm really interested in that. And do you use Revit in the practice? And then people go, da, 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 da. or even more interestingly, and if you feel bold and confident, I love to ask questions like, what do you enjoy most about working at this architecture practice? Or how long have you been working here? Oh, that's a good one. It's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Because it goes personal then, isn't it? And because, okay, the examples I give before, of, oh, do you use Revit? Do you have any schemes? That's nice. But what do you enjoy working here? Or, or another good question, maybe, what kind of person does really well in this architectural practice? Do you, in, do you enjoy, um, do you encourage um, personal growth here? I'd love to hear any stories about people that have gone on and done some awesome things. Stuff like that's really useful. And also logistical stuff like when do you, uh, when do you plan to um, make a decision? On when? And the other question at the end that's always good in an interview is, okay, so 
when do you plan to get back to me? Is there a, is there a time I should reach out? So there's lots and lots of questions that you could do, but also when you get a bit more confident with it, you don't have to ask questions at the end. It can be a little bit the way through the interview. Typically though, interviews are normally focused where you say hello at the start. There's all this stuff. You normally jump into the portfolios, especially if you're, um, you know, it's your first job in the industry that you're trying to get for. You have that five minute talk, 20, 30 minutes going through a portfolio, sometimes less, could be between 10 to 20 minutes. And then it, the interview opens up. And I think, yes, the portfolio is important, but try and, again, I think the advantage of you practicing the portfolio in person or online is when you can go through it and you cover all the bases, the quicker you can go to a conversation, the better. I've seen interviews where, in an hour, 55 minutes of the portfolio, there's two minutes of question, and then they go, okay, let's keep in touch. And what that that's not as personal to me. I think if the more back and forth conversations you have after going through the portfolio, the more rapport is built up between you and the interviewer, the more interesting conversations that can pop up. So for example, when I got my first part one job at EPR Architects, we went for the portfolio, but then I talked about my interest in kinetic moving architecture. And then the design director talked about how he loved projects which move kinetically. And then we talked about some stuff that I've done. Then I talked about my visualizations, how I love that, how I love all this technology. And then it kind of, we had this bit of a geeky session going on and that built up the rapport. The other thing that I've seen is stuff which is extracurriculum, but gets brought up and discussed in the interview, such as, oh, I can see you're involved in the rugby club. I mean, there's a director at 3D Reads who's amazing. And I remember he's such a big rugby fanatic. Any kind of sports talk or, or participatory and all this stuff was really character building. It was like the cherry on top. I'm not saying that just because someone played rugby, they got the job. But what I'm talking about is if you go through your portfolio, if you answer all these questions, you show interest in the practice, you ask engaging questions. And then on top of that, you have a mutual interest or hobby or something that they found interesting, like volunteering or something you talked about. That really is character building. And that really then paints his picture in the interviewer's mind of, wow, this person is the kind of per kind of people that we love to hire or I have to offer this person um, a position on my team. So that's my thoughts about the importance of getting through the portfolio to have that back and forth conversation. Jason, what do you think? No, I think it's it's absolutely right. And you've got to you've got to put yourself almost in the mindset of the person who's interviewing you and and think about well if i was interviewing that person what what sort of traits would i be looking for and they they're, they're looking and thinking they they know all the people in the practice already and they're looking at you in a sense and saying can this person fit within or a con you know obviously you know be part of um the culture that we have in our in our practice so Asking questions about the culture of the practice is really um, important because it's so it's so key these days, you know, to to, to really um, 
be someone who could could fit into that culture and when i what i'm talking about cultures you know having that behavioral ability to get on with people to communicate to um you know just really develop and rapport with people um that that's what people are looking for and they ultimately looking for you to be able to deal with clients um you know that 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 is a you know if if you're on that progression to to become an architect they they want to see that because we're talking we're talking about our first jobs in architecture aren't we um here so so you know that 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 is that is absolutely critical and the, i mean if we if we're maybe going to talk about online interviews i would say another top tip if you're if you're, if you're in an in person interview is when you actually go into the interview, obviously, Stephen, I think you mentioned this before. Make sure you arrive on time. <laughs> but but when when you actually arrive 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 on time, be really nice and friendly to the person who greets you, the receptionist or whoever it is in the practice, because I've seen it happen where people, the director or the person who's interviewing you, will go and say to the um, receptionist you know what do you think you know and if you've been like really grumpy and mean to that that person it's not going to go down well <laughs> what do you think Stephen? yeah yeah i've seen someone actually not get a job for that reason um so it's it's bang on you should treat the receptionist and the director with the same amount of respect that's kind of something for life um which i think is really important but um jason what was interesting you talked about online interviews versus in person now everything that we've talked about really i think is about the conversation the new ones the journey painting the picture it's like every good story that's really what an interview is you kind of start then you um you you know like in a good movie you go through the journey then there's like that penultimate bit and you kind of want like a cliffhanger in an interview you almost want to show a lot of the goods but you want to leave the person feeling like they have to hire you that's the next step. They don't want you to slip through the net. So we talked a lot about the journey and that applies in person and online. The bit I want to kind of tick off now because we're at the kind of halfway point and we can loop back to physical interviews. But uh, when I when the pand- pandemic came around as a recruitment consultant, as well as someone who worked in the industry, I would normally advise on all the stuff that we're talking about in physical sense physical tips get there on time print the workout boom 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 boom. and online interviews was a completely different beast and initially it was a bit the unknown however i've learned a lot since now the biggest barriers i've seen to online interviews are the stupidest of shit excuse my language that people don't do at the start and there's no excuse for okay and we have to not be lazy in this situation. So for example, audio is the most important thing followed by the visuals. You might think I'm crazy, but if people can't hear you or it's a struggle, they're not going to engage. They're going to tune off. And there's no reason why you can't get a really good microphone for cheap. Even if you're absolutely skint, Spending a few quid on a microphone is going to be much better than a laptop. Try not to, under all costs, rely on a laptop where the speaker is shouting in the room and you shout backwards because that 
is incredibly risky because sometimes the interviewers can hear themselves. And I don't know if anyone's had this sensation before, but it's really distracting hearing your own voice. It can really take the shine off your interview. So you ha it's really good to get a cheap microphone or using like an Apple headset, um, headphones, you know. I don't know how much they are, Jason, but just something simple, isn't it, where you've got your mic and then you isolate your earphones. It's going to be so different. The next bit was really important is having a camera. Try to have it on eye level. Now, I know you can get away with all these different angles and stuff, but psychologically, if you can get a camera at eye level and you try and speak into the camera as much as possible, you give this sensation that you're speaking to the person through the screen, and that's much more engaging. This is something I'm starting to try to do more in my live podcast because I was watching a few of the episodes that I've done recently where I'm kind of staring at my screen which it, on the from where the camera is which is nowhere near it just looks like i'm looking at a screen and it's not engaging so i try now to speak into the camera because it gives a sensation of being present in the room the other thing that's really important with that is lighting. I know it sounds crazy, but you can buy a cheapy light for the room. It's something that you can always use throughout your career. Selfie light. I use a selfie light. Yeah, exactly. Behind the laptop screen, yeah. Yeah, you just get a quick selfie light, LED thing. You can get them on Amazon, Jason, isn't it? We're not talking hundreds of pounds, like a tenner, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they make such a difference. And people will say, oh, well, I am making hiring decisions based on the right person. Yeah, true. But if this selfie light puts you in the best life, there's like a pun there. If it puts you in the best light, then great. You've got an unfair <laughs> advantage all because of Amazon. And these little things make such the difference. And another one, an obvious one, but it doesn't. It, it, it needs to be mentioned is a steady internet connection. My goodness, the amount of times the internet cuts out, that will just take the mojo away. That's like someone pausing the film to go to the toilet and you're waiting. You're like, oh gosh, what were we talking about again? And you don't want that to be your interview. You want it to flow. Okay, dropouts can happen. But if someone's in the house downloading or something, you got to say to them, please, you download your dodgy torrents after. You know what I mean? You don't want that <laughs> stuff happening. You know, especially if I was a student dorm. I mean, I used to download, I'm sorry, Autodesk and MicroStation if you're listening, but I couldn't afford your licenses at the time. I would student, download Student stuff. licenses, student licenses. Yeah, yeah. but I was pre-student licenses, Jason. I used to be the guy, you know, who would have the crack oh, and all I this see. stuff. Allegedly, that never happened. Hearsay, hearsay. That didn't happen. Definitely, Johnny definitely. Depp, Johnny Depp, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you don't want stuff in the background. You don't want distractions. You don't want your mum going, um, Steve, Amazon's at the door. You don't want any of that stuff. You really got to try and isolate the conditions as much as possible. Of course, if something does happen, someone comes into the room by accident, maybe they're not aware, even though you told them 10 times, and you should tell people you're going for an interview so that they know to back off. But if someone does pop in, just deal with it the best way you can. Don't freak out. Try not to overthink it. It's happened and deal with it. And I think that's um, a really good 
another um, piece of advice I would say is it's also about rolling with the punches. You're not going to get everything right, but you, and sometimes you might go, oh, I said something I really shouldn't. I've had those moments where you're like, what the heck did I say that for? But you have to keep on going. And in your head, even though it feels like a massive clanger, you probably are worrying about it a little bit too much. People will, you know, they won't pick up on everything, Jason, isn't it? It's the overall flow. Yeah, it is. It? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, maybe just to add to um, what you're saying, um, you know, based on the online interviews, don't go for crazy, um, like, backdrops. Um, I've seen <laughs> seen someone in Teletubby land. I, I kid <laughs> you not. Um, you know, so, like, just just... And I, what what I've said, I've actually I give tips to the people I mentor, and um, someone was going for an interview at Foster and Partners, and I said, "Look, I said, think about what's in the background. You know, think mm. about what Fosters, for example, um, how how they kind of they put themselves across." And I said, so they 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 kept it very sort of neutral. And I said, "Look, you've got this great model, and I can see this great model that behind you, you know, and put it mm. on the wall." And like, and that's like a talking piece. So, like something that's behind you, um, you can they can say, "Oh, what, what's that behind you?" And you can say, "Oh, this is a you know a model of one of my projects on my final year." That is that is again, you know, something where you're using the fact that you're online. Um, mm. You couldn't carry a huge model in, but if it's online, you can you can you can do you can do that. And I think one of the one of the other things I wanted to say is you'll often find big practices now, the first interview they will conduct will be maybe a 30-minute interview um, to down-select their, their, after the CVs and the, you know, that, you, that you've sent in. They'll do a 30-minute interview over, um, you know, over the internet before they ask maybe the top three to come in for an in-person interview. Have you have you heard of that, Stephen? Yeah, and I've seen it before. Especially if an online interview goes really well, don't be surprised if people ask you to come in, in into the office, and you have to be up for coming to the office. And I think that yeah, I've seen thirty minutes informal conversations, which can be um, a conversation on the phone, or it can be on Zoom, and then you have the kind of the full body one hour interview and generally you have to be uh, there's lots of different ways to skin the cat that's a bit of a crazy expression but what i mean is there's no one way to do an interview and it's absolutely at the preference of the hiring manager and different people have different preferences you know i know um some directors who will absolutely loathe to do an online interview they'd always try to do an interview in person I've got some people who really don't care which way it is. Um, and I've got some candidates who also don't care as well. Um, and, and what I mean by that, so if you're looking for a job though, why it's so good to go for an interview. I've seen people get jobs, take the jobs remote. And then when they come to work in the office, they go, don't like it here. And then it's such a waste of time. So I would always try yeah. to get um, an interview in person because you see where you want to go. Um, a few quick things to go through as well. Um, and and it's, if there's a theme from anyone that's taking away, listening to this, I'm less precious about how many sheets you should have, how big they are, how long should you 
spend time on this drawing because when I when you originally think you've got an interview coming, those things in your head feel super important. But having seen interviews for eight years, on the other end, instead of interviewing, actually, it's less about the detail of that. Hey, I don't mean at the same time though that you, your technical drawing needs to stand up. It's not going to look great if it doesn't work. I don't mean that per se, but the the the, the little little details of that are not going to be the big deciding factor, in my opinion, whether someone hires you or not. It's really about you as an individual, especially. If you're a graduate, Jason, isn't it? Because that portfolio is going to be full of mistakes because you're learning, you know? Yeah, true. Very but true. It, it's the character of yourself and how you conduct yourself, how you research for the role, how you present online, or how you present in person, and the questions that you ask and the way that you answer questions is really the character that that the the bit that's super important because they're looking for people to be part of their practice that they believe they can train up can deal with certain situations under pressure and also the other important bit is people want to work with people that they are not gonna i don't know stress them out or the people want to work with likable people you know so if you come across as likable or presentable then that's gonna bode really well i think well that was a strange picture of someone that we had the hand up there jason i got a bit i couldn't see what i couldn't see what yeah, that was from you we had a few crazy picture ones come into stage um yeah it's <laughs> uh and then they disappear here we go such are the things of being on clubhouse so uh, look i think we've covered a lot of things but we've got a bit of time to digest and think of things so instead of a few top tips and things to avoid because i think we've we've covered a lot of that i'll try to think of um examples that i've seen really well so i've seen i've i've done especially quite a few interviews at Acri larry Okay. And I tell you the ones that did really well was when it was a succinct presentation. And Acrolary, as you mentioned, Jason, you really need to ask about how you're going to present the work because they've got a big screen that is beautiful. But you can totally freak yourself out because it's a Zoom screen. You need to like mirror your laptop or 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 a um tablet. And that's the first thing I see all the time freaking people out you know even though i, I yeah. give instructions that really throws it off so nine out of ten interviews i've seen start off bumpy it's because of that the other things that i've seen which uh, i think another interview i've seen which hadn't gone that well is when the interview in the interview the portfolio that was presented actually when the interviewer was asking lots of questions the 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 person who was interviewing which is called the candidate if you think like alan sugar you're all the candidates well the, the candidate is the person interviewing in the portfolio all, it came out during conversations that all the technical drawings in the portfolio were not by them 
and not even involved in it at all. Uh, so you kind of, no, you no. need, you don't need to say that you've done everything and you can be honest saying, look, I haven't done this render, but I've done these drawings or I've done this render and I was part of this drawing package and I've done some of this stuff, but you need to be very honest about what you've actually done because it was in that case, Jason, the interview was because of the technical drawings. And then it got to the interview stage and that, those drawings weren't by that person. So if you're a graduate, you need to put in your work. You don't, and if you've done bits on teamwork, that's totally fine. It's a really good skill. But you really have to say what you've done. I mean, I don't know. Have you had any things like that or any clangers that you've seen in interviews, Jason, that people should avoid? Yeah, I've had I've had people, um, you know, come into the interview, tell them or, or before the interview, um, which is, I think, what you were alluding to, um, you know, saying that they could do everything, and and you know, and I, I was I was pretty shocked, you know, at, at you know some people can come across way too confident, and then you look at their level of experience, whether it's their first job, and it just doesn't it just doesn't add up. So you know, there's something wrong. I think the the other thing I've experienced, and again, it's probably not obviously for the first interview. I've seen people who have um, claimed they were architects, and um, I, as soon as I see their name, I will type it in on my phone to ARB and see if they're on the architects registration board register. And I found them not to be on the register. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, that, that again, so, you know, don't, you've got to be, like you've said, Stephen, very, very honest. If you've done a detail, if you've done something, if you're not qualified yet, just be honest because it's very easy to, um, um, you know, to, to, to get found out. And what you've got to remember is when you start in that, if you get a job offer, you know, and you you know you've come across and you've put yourself forward as someone who's very highly skilled at, at detailing um you they you're gonna, you're gonna have to prove it you're yeah. really gonna have to prove it so you want to make sure that they know your skill level and that you know it's and, and managing that expectation that's it isn't it that's the key managing yeah. the expectation before you go to that practice because you'll feel highly stressed if you're going into an environment where they think you're one thing and you know in reality that you're you're nowhere near that that thing yeah absolutely yeah. and well said and i think um so you've cut co- we've covered it off quite nicely and thank you jason honest is the best honesty is the best policy the other thing is it's okay to ask questions but it, i want everyone to think about how you present the questions so if i go jason how much are you paying for everyone on your team? <laughs> okay, then that's a bit point blank. But you can say, especially as a graduate, um, Jason at Sellafields, I'd love to know, just because I would be moving to London, do you pay the London living wage? Do you meet that? And you go, ah, yeah, or that's softer, right? But if I go like, how much are you paying? Uh, uh, yeah, it's all right, I guess. That's super un- um <laughs> unmotivating but you can talk about money you can talk about this stuff but it's how you present these Correct. opportunities Correct. like you know and look i'd love to know when are you planning on on someone joining or is um is a great question to ask um when when do we hear back when would you love someone to join your team is great 
you, you that's one that's one way to say when to start probably not a good way to say when you like to start is go look um i i kind of fancy going on holiday for a bit can i start in three months that's not cool right oh. <laughs> i've seen that one you know and you're like what are you doing you know just let find out when the person would like to would like you to start and then you work out whether you can do it or not but you don't want to give um you know a vibe like you're not working in it. or again no one wants to work long overtime right and i I'm, i really think you should go to see a practice that is going to respect and look after you but if you say something like um what uh, i don't know it's, it's, it's if you don't, you don't want to say something like look um I, oh a good example is that i seen in the interview um can i work part-time <laughs> well maybe if you said that at the start that's fine but what you've got to do is you don't want to go for the whole process and say oh um is there a, is there an option that i can work three days a week instead of five you want especially as a graduate you want to be very clear with what you're looking at the start and if you're looking for a full-time job you apply for a full-time job don't go in there at the end and go can i start in three months on two days a week because i fancy it and then maybe i'll go up you're just not going to get picked. And Jason, what do you think? You kind of got what I mean there. It's about it's about setting realistic expectations and not um, wasting the interviewer's time. If that makes sense. Yeah, it is. It's not. There's nothing worse than doing wasting people's time. And you know, so that 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 that's where it's that that is absolutely key. You know, you, you know, look back at what the advert said. And, you know, we've all we've all seen these controversial um, adverts from uh, practices looking for people. And, you mm. know, that's a whole no, that's a whole other topic, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, maybe it's, it's something we can do in the future where we talk about what you should mm. include in a in a job advert. But go back and remind yourself before that interview, the night before, the morning before. And to look at what they what they were asking for, yeah. and you know, and and you know, if it's like a thirty seven, thirty five hour week, you know, then they're expecting you to be working um, full time. But you know, you could, you know, some of the things that you could ask, you know, in a good way is like, how often do you do like, um, you know, personal reviews and yeah. salary reviews? Um, you know, how how is that done? You know that that's an, a sort of gentle way of you know basically asking how often is my pay going to be reviewed? Um, you mm. know, um, do you know do you have a do you have a, a, a what sort of bonus system do you operate? Is a nice way of asking. You know, am I going to get am I going to get a bonus um, on top of my salary? Yeah. Um, you know, so you're keeping it you're keeping it very kind of um, you know not too direct, but it's indirect. Um, exactly but, you know do you know that that they're the sort of ways you should approach things um when you're when you're trying to get that first job and you know i've seen some people as well on on a positive side sort of say you know um you know say to the practice you know if if you're interested in me i can start now you know i i, I can start like as soon as you you know and that that's a positive thing because some practices will be very keen to get you started um, as soon as possible. 
What, what do you think about that one, Stephen? Yeah, I love it. I think the same way, I mean, in an ideal world, and Jason, you've had some topics about this recently as well. When when jobs are posted, we really want to see the salaries. We want to see the hours that we will be working so that the expectations when you're applying for the job are quite clear. Okay. But also you've got to be really direct with the employer about also your requirements. And and it's no point um, going through um, a job interview if you if you don't believe you can do the hours. Um, you know, you've got to have that conversation. It's a waste of your time. And the other thing that I always advise people is don't feel uncomfortable talking about difficult things in the interview. So or uh, and if you're worried about bringing that something up in the interview, try and bring it up before the interview. So, for example, um, visa requirements and sponsorships is always a worry, things people are worried about, and they almost worry through the whole interview and put it off to the end, whereas I think you should bring that up before the interview because then you don't Correct. have to worry about it. It's already Correct. out on the t- uh, the employer knows that if they want to hire you, they have to sponsor you, which is becoming easier and easier, actually which is great but i've seen people put it off to the end of the process and then it for the interview they're all worrying and it's absolutely fine to talk about what salary you should be on especially if you think an offer's coming on you know it's we need to know if the company can sponsor you need to make them aware of that and it needs to be a grown-up conversation about doing the core hours and what i'm on about i'm on about the core hours i'm not on about um, you know, I'm going to do 40 hours and you're going to be doing loads of overtime. No, we don't. Of course, you want to be looked after, but you have to meet the contractual hours. And the contractual hours are there also for yourself. Because if you agree to do 40 hours and you do it, then it's quite reasonable to bring up, mm. isn't it, Jason, if there's constant overtime, because you can talk about, well, in the interview, we agreed these hours. So it's a two-way thing it's about no. protecting yourself as well as understanding what the expectations from the interviewer is and what do you think jason no no i think that that's really important you you, you get the sponsorship thing is something so i'm mentoring um a number of people who um really want to work uh, after their first degree and get that first architecture job but they're not british citizens and I, t- I tell you this, it's so easy to get these tier five um, visas. Um, you just have to meet it's, um, a, a very basic level of um, salary. And what, what the problem is, um, and it's something I'm going to be talking to ARB um, with uh, next month, is the practice, a lot of practices don't understand what they have to do and they get nervous and think it's going to be a great cost and it's going to take so much time. Um, and it, it really isn't. And, you know, so I've, I, I have helped people through that process. And it's something I'm, I'm even being involved with, with um, someone at the minute. And the practice said, oh, my God, your portfolio is amazing. We would love to employ you. But can you tell us more about the visa requirements? And I think it's on the person. Yes, it's on the practice. But I think you would do yourself um, a, a really positive thing by um, understanding that visa yourself before you actually um, go for that interview. So if in the interview they say, look, we understand you need, um, you know, you, we need to do this visa sponsorship, um, you know, how do we go about doing that? And if you have all the answers, well, it's got to meet this threshold of salary. Um, you know, the, these are the forms you fill in. I can send you the links. You know, that's a, that's a huge thing, and it makes them feel comfortable. 
you know yeah i i think that that's critical because there's so mm. many you know there's so many um people who come to the uk and get educated and want to stay here and get the experience yeah yeah i I think you're right and i think that especially with um being an overseas architect or a student just making it easy for the employer removing barriers is the key thing and i think that's quite a nice thing i want everyone to think about for us to kind of end on that note jason you want to remove the barriers not create them the whole interview should be about removing the barriers why how it is easy to hire you why they should hire you and you don't want to add objections you want to remove them and that's what the interview is really it's about constantly ticking little boxes of okay culturally could i fit in here do i have the skills or do you think i have the attitude to be trained up tick 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 and you don't want to be adding barriers then and actually by talking about the visa requirements you have but also how you know the process and how to remove it the barriers come up and it's instantly been knocked down and that's what it uh, and that's really how you win an interview is by even if there are one or two things because okay you're a graduate you haven't worked in an, an office yet well guess what no not everyone has to start somewhere but there's other things which you can show uh, through in the interview your character your drive your ambition the the awesome design work that you've done in academia maybe some extracurricular activities by bringing those up in a conversation and presenting yourself well online and or having that portfolio in person is really going to be key so jason if it's cool with you I'd love to wrap this up. Um, yes, I think it's a perfect time. We will probably, I think this has been quite a good um, series for us, Jason, and maybe between us we can think of some other ideas as well. Um, if you have listening to this, because this will go out on Spotify and all these places on Jason's podcast on mine, that's why we're happy to have it on both podcasts because it's about getting the conversation out there if anyone has any ideas of what we should talk about next then jay they can contact you jason as well as me but where can they find you and your company jason yeah so i have a global architect alliance.com is uh, my website and you can find me on twitter instagram and um, but all my links are um, on my clubhouse um profile uh, so jason jason boyle yeah. Brilliant. And thank you so much, Jason. And I've been your co-host here. So my name's Stephen Drew, and you can find out lots of content on the architecturesocial.com resources, interview tips, and you, you will see the other ones we've done on this topic of finding your first job in architecture as well. So thank you so much, everyone, for being here. I really appreciate it. You're all absolute legends. So thank you so much. I've got to shoot off now and keep an eye out for our next impromptu because probably it'll be impromptu because I never put these online quick enough, but an impromptu talk (laughs) (laughs) about a subject that one of you guys or gals can reach out to us that you want to talk. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, audience. Have a good evening. Take care. Thank you.